welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go. Subway Sports Talk. Pete Kennedy here. Joined with my baseball guy today. Just my one guy. Or minus Andrew Kalanya. But not only am I looking at the face of Alec Argento in a 12 by 8-ish box <laughs> on my phone or laptop, but I'm looking at you in person. Alec Argento, what's up, dog? So, Dude. El Clasico today. Yeah, just the two of us. Which is nice. It hasn't happened in a while. Not that I didn't want Andrew here. Unfortunately, he has some family matters, if you will. Frank was going to join, but he has a basketball pod to record tomorrow, so he's focusing in on that, I guess. But it's just P. Kennedy, Alec Argento, like the old times, but in new times. People don't remember. Uh, a lot of these new folks that are coming in for Subway Sports Talk don't remember the old days of recording this in my parents' basement. People forget. Yeah. People forget. And uh, it's a shame because... Those were good times. Especially with the air conditioning noise going off all the time. Didn't say good audio. <laughs> I said good time. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine if the audio was that bad now? And I was, you know, we were trying to do a Instagram page and good videos and try to be, like, legit. Sounding like that. It couldn't work. Well, we, we were also just recording off of, like, the MacBook audio yeah. back in the day. And it was rough. You got to see Pete's setup now. He's got, he's got like, noise-canceling foam mats or whatever they're called. And he's yeah. got drop mics and, wow. and everything. So it, it's nice. You're actually closer to the drop button. So I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. But you could you don't even know which one's which. You could, <laughs> they're just colors for you. Well, <laughs> you want to hit one? Just hit one. Wow, bro. Good choice. That's crazy. That's I knew which so one that low, was, too. I, I love the Kobe White drop. It's such a good one. <laughs> it is such a good one. Um, but Subway Sports Talk, Pete Kennedy, Al Argento here in person. Uh, us, but you guys listening on Apple Podcasts, App, Spotify, wherever you may listen. Thank you so much, as always. Uh, we're here talking baseball again. Shout out to Andrew Kalanya. Couldn't make tonight's episode. A little bit of a mistake on my part, I guess. I canceled Monday night. Pete had a tummy ache. I was not feeling right. I was feeling a little, a little off. And uh, we were going to do tonight. And now Andrew was, was caught up, and it's okay. We're going to do the podcast no matter what. We got basketball stuff coming up. Uh, shout out to Dame Lillard. Damn. 61? The dude has just been going crazy he in the bubble. He earned you 60. What'd you say? He earned you 60. He did. My Shout out to DraftKings. Free <laughs> free bet they did for the— uh, We don't do free plugs. Well, it's, it's just not—I'm just bragging. I'm literally just bragging. <laughs> it's not even a plug. I'm just saying how I got a free bet. And I bet on the Blazers, and Dame Lillard put me on his back and said, I want you to win 58 bucks," <laughs> and, and that's where we're at, and that's a good thing. <laughs> but we're here to talk Mets and Yankees. Uh, we're actually going to sprinkle in some Knicks. That's how we know we're going Classico right now. So if you're new to Subway Sports Talk, Alec and I, basically week after week for two years maybe, we're just hitting Yankees, Mets, Knicks, Giants, Jets, New York sports, all the stuff you love. And now we're back to do an old-school New York sports episode. Yankees-Mets will be the primary, but we got to sound off on the Knicks a little bit, even though they're basically irrelevant at this point in Wrong. real life. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and Duffy's not here to tell us anything else. you got to see this group chat that we have. Duffy's such a hater. Hater with an eight in the middle. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> I mean, people who's a Knicks, who are Knicks fans and listen to this pod know that Duffy's a Knicks hater. He wouldn't even let me have mellow as a respectable playoff rotation guy. Like, he was still trying to give me crap on that. I'm just like, dog. Well, just at, at least he can fall back on the Sixers right now. They're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, damn. I mean, they're they're unfortunately injured, but still, it's I don't really feel particularly bad for Sixers fans. 
because like we're Knicks fans. Yeah. So, you know, deal with it. Well, he has the Red Sox too. They're doing well. Uh, (laughs) Poor Duff. Uh, Anyways, let's get to some baseball stuff. We watched a good portion of the Yankee game just before and they got a win. They covered the one and a half, which is relevant to no one, maybe. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah, sure. And uh, the Yankees are, you know, back on the winning side of the column. But since we last spoke, Alec, you have been vindicated. What else is new? And I hate when that happens. (laughs) As uh, I think two different individuals reached out to me who also (laughs) told me that they hate when you're vindicated. One of them you know. And, uh, Shout out Murphy Dubs. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you you were right. And I was giving you crap, and Andrew was giving you crap for complaining as much as you did about an 8-1 and one baseball team. And I posed this on Twitter, at Subway Sports Talk, at Sportblog NYC, saying, is it just a bad week? Or are some of these issues with the Yankees real concerns? Albeit Glaber Torres, who not only struggling at the plate, is struggling at shortstop a bit. The pitching is is here and there. It's not really consistent right now. And there's some pieces on on oh John Carlos uh, John Carlos Stanton is hurt, some pieces not hitting too well. Gary Sanchez, are your concerns like give me a breakdown of like how serious they are? Because I know you're being, you're you're holding them to a gold standard, right? And that's something with Yankee fans we always have to remember. You're holding yourself to a gold standard, but where are your concerns? Like on your percent level of worry right now, like where do you lie here? So. First and foremost, the Yankees, I think, play 18 games in a row at home going forward, which is pretty nice for a 60-game season. And I believe they're 5-1 and one at home after the tonight's and that, win. And that one loss was that doubleheader where their home game was actually at Citizens Bank Park, so I don't even want to count that. Um, so I think that's going to help a lot, right? I mean, our team is pretty well designed for our ballpark, even though we're you know it's not the Yankees teams of the past with the lefty-laden lineups and everything. But, you know, I think that's going to help. Um I think where my worry is, um, obviously the pitching, but I think foundationally and fundamentally the problem is with Boone and the and and I guess Matt Blake, um, because I don't really know what I've seen out of Matt Blake so far. But it just seems like every time we have a good start, and I, I want to say quality start, but I, I don't mean it by the definition of of the term. But right, um, quality does not mean good in pitching stats. Right, point. right. But in like a legitimate quality start, yeah, I feel like every time so we're doing well, the the, the out of nowhere, they have an inning where they give up three to four runs, something like two to four runs every time, and like it's it's become a large enough sample size where it's worrisome. I mean, it happened today with Jordan Montgomery; he was cruising along, and then all of a sudden he gives up a three-run bomb. It, it happened to James Paxton the other day. James Paxton had a, I think eleven strikeouts, and then all of a sudden he's like, "We lost the game. <laughs> we right. we gave up a three. I think it was two home runs. Squandered a relatively good start. Yeah. By him. So I mean, am I really worried about the offense? Not really. I mean, I know the bats were kind of sl- uh, asleep in the past week or so, but um, eventually Glaber is going to hit. You know, I never really worry about Gary because I think at this point we know what Gary is. He's a streaky hitter, and for right. a catcher, you'll take that, right? He still has is the best hitting catcher in the league, arguably. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of these other guys, like like Mike Ford, benefits from more bats, right? And, and he... He showed that today. He had four. He had four RBI. Shout out Andrew Kalanya, who <laughs> uh, was complaining about him starting over Clint Frazier, who uh, has <laughs> who has no idea where the left field wall is. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I I'm always a pessimistic Yankee fan. I think you would know that. I, right. I, you you actually treat being a Yankee fan like being a Met fan of sorts. Yeah. Like you're never going to accept the greatness until it happens. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's a redeeming quality about you, but it's also infuriating sometimes. <laughs> so, like, as a Mets fan, 
which I am, despite what you say occasionally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's frustrating all, all the time for us dealing with Yankee fans because we see your struggle, quote, I'm doing air quotes, uh, and we're like, we'll raise your struggle times 10 right now. Like, we, we can hit your struggle and not – streets. we're streets ahead, streets behind. I don't know. Streets what the, behind. We're streets behind. You guys are streets behind on the struggle. <laughs> and we know what it is, what it's really like to struggle, right, what it really is. So it's frustrating to see a Yankee fan like you, you know, pointing out all the negatives. And, you know, if you listen to Sports Talk Radio, the old heads are complaining about something every night too, even if they win. And it's frustrating. But also, I said it last week on the promo – that's why the Yankees are who they are. They expect greatness and they strive for greatness. They don't really accept much below greatness. And, and that's why, you know, you guys have had such a great history. Even in your non-championship seasons over the past 12, there's been a bunch of really good seasons strung together. And there's a lot of fans in this country who would love for a really good seasons strung together, even if it doesn't mean championships. Shout out the Mets, the Knicks. Like, Knicks fans, and you can attest to this because you are a Knicks fan, <laughs> We're praying for some playoff consistently, some five seeds. You know what I mean? I'm praying for a ninth seed. I'm praying, I'm praying to be knocking on the door of the playoffs. We just want to get invited to the bubble. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's brutal. But uh, back to the Gary Sanchez thing, because I, I always find him such an interesting point. He's such a good hitter sometimes. What it comes down to and what he's not doing so far this year, even if he's batting 200, he swings the games he plays well in. He could change that specific game with the power with the doubles, with the home runs. He could go, you know, two for ten in a series, but that two won you a game because it was two home runs or something like that of that matter. Right now he only has one home run. And now is it the point with Sanchez where it's been two seasons of struggle? Do you get nervous? Like, obviously there's nothing you're going to do to change it, but, like, where – how do you have any confidence in this guy when he comes to the plate? But what's – but okay, maybe I don't think he should be batting fifth or sixth, but – What's the problem with him as a catcher? Like you, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm a Gary Sanchez guy. So I, don't, I don't mean like catcher defensively, but right. I mean like if you're getting whatever off. If he bats 200 and he still belts out 20 to 35, like 25 to 35 home runs a year, that's the best catcher, the best hitting catcher in baseball. Correct. So I I don't always agree with um with him batting as high up in, in the lineup he, as he does, and and I you know I think we're kind of I think. Uh, some of the allure that happened with Gary Sanchez was he was the first big prospect that we brought up, right? So he and he was crushing, sure. And, but you know, we've seen prospects come up for the Yankees since then who have also crushed, right? Uh, and and I think that that's part of it is that we're still attached to that. You know, I think what did he hit like thirty home runs in like two months of the season or whatever it was? Yeah, it was insane. Andrew actually uh, mentioned that. A yeah. Weeks ago. So I think we're kind of attached to that. But I mean, I I'll never be bothered by a catcher not producing consistently uh, 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 offensively. It's just it's not something that bothers me. Right, and yeah. obviously you're not saying you're okay with him batting 100, which he is right now. Sure. You want him in the 200 range at minimum with the power home runs. Um, but that you got to think it's going to come around, and obviously there's less time for it to come around. But if there is a two-week stretch of the season where you can look at Gary and say he kind of carried the offense for this two-week stretch. That is more, like you said, than a lot of catchers are going to give you. And Wilson Ramos, just crossed town, is a good example because he's one of the other better hitting catchers in the league. Also, shout-out Travis Darno, who is batting second for just the uh, for the, the Braves. <laughs> we don't want to talk about that right now, okay? <laughs> Not only is he doing well, he's doing well in our division, which is tough, but... Wilson Ramos is one of the better hitting catchers in the league. He's not on Gary Sanchez level, but what, maybe top five, top six hitting catcher in the league? Sure. Right? 
And that's something the Mets fans got to say, well, that's a huge win for us because we have had the lackluster Travis Darno seasons and the Anthony Wrecker seasons. And like those dudes aren't adding anything to the offense. They're not swinging many games. They're not carrying you for a couple games in a row. And Gary has that. So it's, it's tough to really get too down on him. And as long as he's not just making blunder after blunder behind the dish, you just ride him and you know, shut your mouth and take what you can get. Yeah, but speaking about blunders uh, def- uh, defensively, I mean, the Yanks' defense has stunk uh, the past week and a half or so. I mean, Glaber and DJ, too. I mean, I, I, I worry less about DJ, but DJ, even if he's not getting errors, he's kind of just, like, whiffing on some easier plays. I mean, I, I even that Paxton game, uh, before he gave up the, those three runs, he, he missed the play right up the middle, which was, I guess, not easy, but something he should have done. He had an a- error tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Glaber's looked sloppy. What are we doing in left field when, when Breck Gardner's not playing? Uh, I mean, you know, it's just, it, our defense does not look good, and that, that's going to lose you games, I mean, in, in, in uh, Major League Baseball. Yeah, and unless you, you watch, like, many games, like you do, like Andrew does, like I don't particularly do with the Yankees, and especially with basketball going on in the middle of this, like I'm not watching nine innings straight that often, frankly. You know what I mean? Unless you watch a full game basically every night, those little defensive mishaps and those little errors, they're not going to bother you as much. But like you said, when you're seeing now Glaber making errors and now DJ's making an error, which was honestly, it was bad communication on them together. Like they both kind of made a mistake and DJ was the one who got the brunt of it. Um, that's how it adds up and starts to really frustrate fans is when you're watching every day it's just and you're seeing it happen. It's been sloppy. I, 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 how many times in our, our, our designated hitters group chat have I said, this game's sloppy. Like it's, it's, yeah. it, they're just losing games. I mean that 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 game that they lost to Paxton on the bump. I mean, I, I, it was it, it, that was a sloppy game. I think they lo- was it yesterday or, or two days ago because they were off yesterday. They had like eight walks in the game, which is ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> they they out hit them, but they just walked in a bunch of runs, death by a million walks, and. You know, I get it. It's a shortened season. Nobody was able to prepare appropriately, and I'm sure a lot of teams are doing this. But just watching day in and day out, it's hard to be like, you know, this this team is is playoff ready. And and you know, nobody would expect them to. And maybe I'm just thinking that, hey, uh, in normal terms, this is August, and you know, right. we're in the heat of the uh, the season at this point. But that's know. what it is, right? Yeah. I mean, it's the same concept as the Patriots losing a game in November, right? Versus the Patriots losing a game in September. Right now, all the games are are November. I mean, using exactly. the, using the football ana- analogy, it's like, oh snap! Like the Patriots lose a game in in the first two weeks of the season, it's like, ah, who cares? Like they're fine. They're gonna win the games after Thanksgiving, and they're gonna be rolling for the playoffs. For the Yankees and for all the teams across baseball right now, this is all November. Yeah. Uh, this is all you know, like you said, August, it is te- technically August in real life. It's also August in their season because there's only X amount of games left. Uh, so everything's heightened. Everything's a little crazier. But back to the pitching staff because. I mean, this year was a year coming in where Yankees fans and media members alike were saying how the Yankees pitching staff is now top-notch, or maybe top-notch is a little strong, but much better or much more trustworthy than it was in the past, and you haven't had that this year. So looking at the guys past Cole, who hasn't even been that sharp yet, but has been good, mm-hmm. where where's your confidence lie? Where's your worry lie? Yeah, I'm uh, obviously like Paxton. Just watching him, he's not right. Um, even with including those eleven Ks that he was, he's he's his mechanics are off, and, and he's not hitting the velocity that he needs to. I mean, he's hitting ninety two, ninety three, and that's up a tick from his first start. <laughs> um, so your worry is is with Paxton, obviously, and, and Paxton himself uh, last year. 
had some issues for sure. Um, you know, down the stretch, he was he was electric for us, but he was also pretty. He struggled pretty heavily in the beginning of the season. So you got to you, you don't like Paxton's not the picture of consistency in his own right. Um, I think you're always somewhat confident with Tanaka and and Montgomery, which is nice. Um, you know, Tanaka's the guy. I always say this because his ERA is always in like the high threes, low fours every year. But he he always has like two or three starts where he gives up like eight runs in an inning, and that's what drives his ERA up. He's the guy who's gonna keep you in ball games eight times out of ten, uh, and like you know, beat a position to win eight times out of ten. And then every now and then he's gonna have a clunker that's gonna affect the rest of it. So I, I'm always like, he's a really good three starter a pretty good two starter and not an ace that we ever thought, but I don't, you know, he's his whole career with the Yankees has been everything we w- we could have asked for I, outside of that ace billing that we were hoping for. And he's right. always money in the playoffs. So whenever a big game comes Tanaka's you know, it's Tanaka time and he's good there. And then Montgomery is, is like, a, he's, he's our fifth rotation in an ideal lineup, right. And an ideal rotation. And, um, he's, he's just really consistent too. You know, he had, uh, one bad start, uh, one good start, and today was, in my opinion, a pretty good start outside mm. of those two jacked home runs that he had today, yeah. or, or however was, they scored. Ozuna it. went yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, was it a one three run? Yeah, it was one three run shot yeah. today. Um, but I, I like Montgomery a lot, and uh, you know, obviously this rotation suffers a lot because Severino's out. We we thought we were gonna have Severino this whole year, and and we didn't. And and uh, you know, if we're gonna lose Severino, I'd rather lose him for a shortened season than losing for a full season. You oh, know? For, so, for sure. But I, I'm just waiting for them to call up uh, Clark Schmidt because Clark Schmidt looked awesome in summer camp uh, and spring training, and, and this guy just seems big league ready. Uh, he was a firmer, a former first overall pick. Uh, mm-hmm. No, first, no, first, first round. rounder, sorry. Uh, and he just, he's looked good. He, he, he's, he's escalating through the, 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 the minors and everything like that, and he just looks like he's ready to go. And I, I don't want to see... You know, even our bullpen has looked really crappy outside of like Chad Green, Zach Britton, and Adam Adovino. I mean, th- th- there's been plenty of crappy pitchers going in there. So it'd be nice just to have someone who's quality who can give you a- an extra a couple innings, even if it's not in a starting role, even if you want to pull an opener role or everything, anything like that. Because I'm not really the biggest Mike King guy, even yeah. though people are. Yeah, yeah. I was just I was just looking at the stats here. <laughs> he gives, he's given up nine runs in ten innings. Mike, Mike, Mike King. Mike King. Yeah, I, I, he was like a sacrificial lamb the other Oof, day. That's like rough. They, they just left him out there. Um, and I mean, you look at your your bullpen. You're missing Araldis Chapman. We're also missing Tommy Canley and Canley, right? After and the season and your bullpen still has a bunch of pieces that are good. Yeah, but it's it's tough though because it, it's you know, and, and I guess maybe this is what every other team deals with, right? But oh, <laughs> yeah, but, must be nice. <laughs> but you know, with the Yankees, you always expect like the, the, there's more than just. Seventh, eighth, and ninth inning guy, right? There's there's people that you can put in there, and right now we're we're stuck to a big three, right? It's Chad Green, Adam mm-hmm. Adovino, and Zach Britton, and that, and other than that, it's kind of bust, right? And, you and, can, you're not gonna you're not gonna feel confident in in Nelson or Avalar or Hale. I mean, I know Hale has has relatively good numbers. I think he gave up a run today, but um, he actually got hit pretty hard today. Yeah. So, but he's just not someone I feel confident in. And, right. And, and, and I mean. Nor in this shortened season here too, right? With the the bullpen, pitchers aren't ready to go seven, go eight right now, and right. pitchers don't even do that in general that much anymore. Right, this and is April. This is more, pitchers not coming in and going to their hundred pitches, and when they are, they get fatigued. Exactly. So it's even more important to have the depth in the bullpen 
and that's tough that you don't have it. And Batanz is obviously gone. He's with the Mets, and if he's doing anything special, but you know, I'm just saying, like <laughs> he another, was gone last year for us, though. In fairness, because he was hurt too, too right? But in, yeah, in general, though, just based off of like what you guys have had over the past couple seasons, it's not quite the same, but it's still strong, which which is nice. Um, can we talk about some some real positives though for the Yankees? Do you have any more negatives? Any anything else that you want to just like throw out as a negative that <laughs> needs to be worked on? Because there is positives here too. Oh, for sure. And we do we do need to talk about that because it'd be silly not to. They're eleven and six now. They're still in, looking incredibly strong to be a division winner and and yeah. whatnot. But any other negatives before we talk about some positives? Yeah, I mean positives are that they have uh, eighteen games at home or whatever it is in a row, and they look good at home. I mean it's. I'm, it's also it's just a it was there was wonkiness and you didn't know who you were going to play when you were going to play it. I know they ended up winning against the Orioles when that happened, but um, even with the the, the Phillies, du- the double headers with the Rays, yeah, and the those Phillies. Du- those double headers. You know, I I was like, okay, we'll try it. They feel weird. That's the only thing that I I've seen this year where it feels like all of the new rules feels weird. If it, yeah. it doesn't feel right, it feels like you're if you're down two runs in the third inning, you're out of the game, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just doesn't it doesn't feel right. And, and they got hot in that one where Yankee fans were obviously saying, oh, if there was a nine-inning game, we would have won. Well, they, they yeah, were hot. where Judge uh, almost tied the game at the warning track and at the end. I mean, if you want a positive, that's that's Judge, right? Judge oh looks my God. incredible. That's where I was going next. Yeah, I mean, and, and outside of Judge, because I'm sure we'll talk to him a little bit more at length, but Luke Voigt's looked great this year. Uh, I'm really hyped about him. Um, Gio looks like he's not a fluke, which is nice, because uh, I think a lot of people did. And obviously, I, I, I've, I've gone on record saying that I'm a big – Miguel Andujar guy, but uh, at this point, Gio just is better than him, and he's he, his leather is ridiculous. He is, and I know A Rod got a lot of crap on on the Sunday Night Baseball broadcast because he said he was the best defensive uh, third baseman uh, in the American League, and uh, people were saying, "Oh, Matt Chapman, Matt Chapman." Right. Gio Urshela is ridiculous. He is unreal at third base, and I don't watch a ton of A's games. Admittedly, obviously, I'm on the East Coast, yeah. so I'm not really too worried about that, but. Um, Gio Urshela, watching him day in and day out, what he does and how effortless it makes things. And obviously a lot of people put put stock into the advanced analytics, for, but for the defensive side of things and, and advanced analytics in general, it's just kind of an inexact science. Right. So um, he has looked awesome. Uh, in terms of uh, Giancarlo Stanton, because I'm just looking at the pictures in front of me, is uh, everything to be expected and he'll be out for half the season. There you go. Um, well, yeah. back to Urshela real quick, because I don't want to move off that yet. Sure. I mean, I, I would say the reason why he doesn't get the love Chapman will is because Chapman was an MVP candidate. Sure. So, like, not – so people take well, – He's not as good as Matt Chapman offensively either. Exactly. That's my point. So people see his offense and his defense, and everything gets heightened because both are so good. Right. But Gio's offense has been really good too, so he deserves the bump. And when you look at his defense, his defense should raise what we see about his offense. If that's the the methodology that fans are not knowingly using, right? Like, oh, this guy's a good hitter and he's a good defender. He's a great defender. This guy's a good right. hitter and a like great the, defender. He's a, he should he, be looked at as a great hitter. He gets like the Danny Hechevarria treatment where he's like a defensive guy because that's what he was his entire career. And then he had one year. And he proved it last year and he's proven it right now so far too that he's not just a defensive For guy. For sure, yeah. He's silky smooth. Uh Chapman's sick, though. You can't hate. Oh, I'm not saying Matt Chapman's bad by right. any stretch of the imagination. And I guess the other third baseman I was thinking of is National Arenado. I was Arenado, yeah. and, and even Machado, like when he wants it, is, is pretty damn sick out there. He's a better shortstop than a third uh, third baseman. Yeah, well, Tatis ain't <laughs> Tatis ain't giving up that job anytime no, that soon, so rocks. it doesn't matter. He's freaking sick. That dude rocks. Uh, but Aaron Judge, I, I tweeted this out. I don't know if you're aware of this, but he is officially the front runner for AL MVP odds. 
Yeah, I mean, if he's healthy and he stays, he's locked in. I mean, he's he, just hitting dinger after dinger. He ha- now has nine home runs on the season. He is, uh, this was as, as of yesterday. And about 300, too, right? Or the day before. He uh, was plus 225 to win the MVP. He started before the season plus 900. Uh, Trout was plus 250, and he now passed Trout. And, and Judge is putting the world on notice. And to anybody who was saying, uh, you know, he really only had uh, one good season, and now... He's been hurt. He's been inconsistent. Hasn't been himself. Like, could he be a one and done guy? It's like, all right. I think we knew that he was better than that for sure. But also, now he's telling you that you're crazy for even bringing it up. He's that good right now. Dude's got a chip on his shoulder after the Astros thing. I mean, it's yeah. it's so obvious. And, and I, you might just think that's in my head, but like, you know, he did that whole like petty Instagram thing where he deleted the post he had with congratulating Jose Altuve and everything. And I think the whole league obviously is reacting to that still. Um, I mean, and, and it's nice to see the Astros are garbage this year, which is awesome and it feels validating to me. But I, he's 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 the type of guy who's unassuming when you speak to him in, the, in front of the media, but he just seems like he's he wants he's this. Yeah, he wants this. This is, uh, you know, he wants to prove this to, to the league. Um, and, you know, people, it's I think they said it on the broadcast, but people want to say, like, uh, you know, what would he do in a full season? But like, we're this is actually the best case scenario because he wouldn't have been ready for this. He would have been coming back at this time anyway this year. So yeah, and we t- we talked about on like the first podcast that the Yankees in a weird way lucked out to the delay because for they sure. were so much healthier by the time to start with Hicks with Ju- oh, voice crack there with Hicks mm-hmm. with Judge with Stanton. Now Hicks hasn't been that good. Stanton's out. Paxton and, too, which he and, might still be hurt. Who yeah, knows? and now you're back to you know you need Talkman, you need Frazier, you need Gardner. And now it's it's almost uh well not that Hicks isn't isn't playing he's just not playing that well I'm saying, but um yeah it was a quick 180 there on the health front for the Yankees but n- nonetheless I think they're they're not to be worried about the season it's all about where you are heading into the playoffs and you're seeing it with the Lakers and the Bucks right now it's going to be very interesting to see how they handle the first round of the playoffs now obviously the Bucks are going to have a much easier go playing the Magic than the Lakers will if they have the Blazers who are so hot or the Suns if they get in because they're so hot. They're not they're not ready. The Lakers are not playing to their full potential moving into the playoffs. The Yankees are in that luxury zone, though, where it almost doesn't matter if their record is, you know, 43 wins or 39 wins. If they win the division and they get to the playoffs, they just need to be playing well when they're when they get there, you know, because right. if if they just got to off to the sixth start and they're twenty two and six and they're crushing people, uh, and then they settle down and had a, a bad stretch towards the end, that would actually be worse. So you know, some of the struggles that were happening, even while they were eight and one, now led to some losses. Now it's okay because now there's still time to build and you know reach that stride when it matters most. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, it's that's assuming that this is the only crappy period of the year. <laughs> yeah, like, well, no, I'm saying I'm saying though like it's there's not all negatives to be drawn from this bad week being that there were negatives that were glaring sure, before but, the losses. But I came. also don't think it's unfair to be like, you know, to be like this is, is it really affects the season. I mean, For sure. it's it, you know, they were they were uh they lost 5 of their last 7 and yeah. what is that that's like the equivalent of like 23 games, <laughs> 23 losses Something or whatever. Like that, Something, yeah. No, that's actually like it's 2 it's 2.75. I didn't even try to do that math, my Yeah, head, so I, honest, that was really so. bad. I was like it's like 12 losses, but, still, <laughs> but still. You could have told me it was 33 and I would have been like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they actually lost 162 <laughs> in the equivalent. So. Well, who knows? Um, last thing on the Yankees before we move to the Mets here, and I just want to talk about the lineup stuff 
and the Aaron Boone situation that you're not as thrilled about. So you've gone full circle and then back again on Aaron Boone at this point. First season, you weren't too hyped about it. Last season, you were you were very hyped about Aaron Boone. This year, not as much. No, I'm lukewarm on it. It's just he, it doesn't seem like he's utilizing the bullpen well, and it doesn't seem like he's uh, uh, utilizing his starters well and when, when to bring people in. And obviously those two things coincide with each other. Um, but, you know, that was something that – something as a Yankee fan, I mean, we, we joke about it, but the, I've been accustomed to a good bullpen for the past 15 years. Like, we have not had a bad bullpen in 15 years. And that, that's excluding just Mariano Rivera. We always had these people. And, I mean, half of them are on the Mets right now, whether it's Justin Wilson or <laughs> or Dellen Betances and everything like that. But, uh, um, these you know, we're accustomed to a good bullpen. And I think that, personally, it's about setting your relievers up for success and knowing who to put in at what, at what time, right? That's the analytical game that we're in right now. So if relievers are consistently doing poorly, that's got to go on the manager, in my opinion. And, and maybe these pitchers aren't ready, right? It's a shortened season, and I, I feel like I'm seeing a lot of high ERAs around the league or nothing, right? You either have like a zero ERA at this point or you have like a 35 ERA, and mm-hmm. whether that's starters or, or bullpen. But I think Boone has not done a great job. I, how many times have like we looked at the game and we're saying, why is Zach Britton not in, right? Why Before Canely was hurt, why is Canely not in, right? And it just it, it doesn't make sense why he's sticking with people to just be like sacrificial lambs. It feels like he's preserving people for the next day, which is not how you should be playing this season. And a shortened season especially, right. too. And, and, and we don't have off days this right. year, right? So that's, I mean, we had an off day yesterday, but we... I think 18 games in a row. And even on your impromptu off days, you had doubleheader. Right. You don't know what the season's going to be. So, like, you have to use your players. Uh, you got to hope that – I mean, I understand you don't want to you don't want to pitch people three days in a row and everything, but I, I don't know. It just it, it doesn't make sense to me to, to, to hold on to them and just pretend that they don't exist because you're, you're waiting for tomorrow and you don't want to tax your bullpen. You got to worry about today instead of tomorrow. So. Right. Every game being more important, you got to go out and get it. And, and to the lineup, so there's a bit of a merry-go-round – in like one or two spots of the lineup where there's constant, you know, fluctuation. Is it going to be Talkman? Is it going to be Gardner? Now is it going to be Frazier? Does Andujar get at bats? And there is a bit of uncertainty with like, I don't know exactly how to put it. In basketball, it would be like, oh, who's that seventh, eighth, or ninth guy in your rotation? It's the same concept here where who's that like seventh, eighth guy who is going to be switching? It can go one of two ways in this situation. You can get the best out of all these players when you platoon them, or none of them can kind of get comfortable, and that's where we're right. looking at right now. Talkman obviously is one of your preferred players here. Uh, Mike Ford is another guy to throw in this conversation, and obviously Gardner being the vet he is. Can you see that becoming an issue, and how would you like them to handle it as who's going to get the more consistent at-bats? Yeah, you know, it's tough for me to say with Gardner because, the, you know, the common sense would say, okay, we need we need to replace Gardner now. He's at the end of his year. But every year he just proves us wrong, and, and you know, the, and then he earns another year uh, extension on, on his contract. So I'd love to see Talkman uh, because I think that he's the guy who gets better with more at-bats, with consistency. He's not, you know, Mike Ford is someone who – we've seen in the past can come off the bench and, and just hit a dinger for you and a pinch hit or whatever the case is. Obviously I think it benefits anybody to have consistency in their role. Right. Um, but I, I don't understand what we do in the outfield half the time. And, and, you know, judge is the only piece of consistency there. And 
you know that that dude needs an off day. I mean, he, he I think he's played every every game. He since missed we, one, and weirdly, the game he missed, DJ was also not in the lineup, which is just like a strange thing. You feel like you'd want to offset that. Oh off days. yeah, remember we were talking about positives, and I I, I didn't even mention DJ because he's just so consistent. He's it's, so good. It's ridiculous. He's going to end up betting four fifty yeah, this year. You said before the pod, you're like DJ's going to bat four hundred this yeah, year for sure. <laughs> he's I think he's like three ninety seven right now or something. Yeah, he was four hundred going into like the eighth inning or something. Like oh that. yeah, after think, the hits I think, he, and I think he got a walk so. There you go. I mean, he's insane, dude. It's it's really crazy. And he's on a contract year, so he's got to prove his worth. Uh, yeah, he didn't do a good good enough <laughs> last year to prove that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the Yankees. It always becomes a, a conversation with is is Boone making these lineups himself? Is Cashman sending it down to say this guy need, needs a game, this guy needs a day off? Who knows? We don't know, so we can only say what we see, and that's what we're doing here. Is there one guy though before we move to the Mets? Who you would like to see get those consistent met bats out of the, out of the bunch we just mentioned? Um, I'd love to see Mickey, but I don't think he has any spot on the team right now, which is sad. Uh, he's just not going to. He's not going to beat up Geo. I think that realistically, Talkman. I, I know Drew's like when he listens to this is going to be really pissed off because he hates Talkman. But uh, I think <laughs> well, he hates Talkman. He hates Mike Ford. He only likes Clint Frazier. Is that yeah, it? he's just a, Cl- a Clint Frazier stand, which is so weird to me because Clint <laughs> Frazier's really never done anything. Andrew is catching the smoke. He's not even on. He's the like today. Andrew's always like he, he was. He was really good when he played. He, you know, those three games out of the past six years that he's been on the team. So <laughs> yeah. So you're, but Miggy, what about the DH spot? I mean, that, isn't that open now? It's standing out. He he looks like he's got some cobwebs, and and I don't know if the Yankees can afford to shake them off this year, right? right. And I don't really understand what's going on with the with with the Triple A team because they're not playing games, but it's like an alternate training site where they're simulating games every day. So I, 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 that's where he is right now. But yeah, I, I don't really know what's going on there. But it it sucks because he's a year removed, right? He, he didn't play at all last season. He was hurt, and um, you know, it's it's not. You know, we're we're in crunch time. We're down the stretch already, and it's hard for it's hard to just allow someone room to get their swing back and, right. and he's not a good defender at third and we're trying to put him in an incredibly unnatural position for him in, in left field where he doesn't he's looked better than I thought he was going to be but right. he's but there's no spot for him on the team right now it's sad yeah it really is and especially as a fan of another team you know you see what he has done with the bat when he was healthy and other teams probably saying damn I wish I had Miguel and Duhar on my squad and he can't even find a spot on the Yankees which yeah. goes to show you know, how good of a problem it is, albeit tough, it's a good problem to have. Uh, but anyway, somebody Sports Talk, Pete Kennedy, Alec Argento here in person. Very nice to have that vibe. We can, we're looking at each other right here. El this Clasico. Is, this is great. I don't The El Clasico thing is, is something I can get behind as well. Uh, but it's time to move on to the Mets. And the New York Mets have been underwhelming, right? But with the extended playoffs, as we talked about with Andrew last week, they have a better chance than you would expect based off their struggles to still be in playoff contention. And what the Mets have proved to us, not proved, that's a strong word, but shown possible over the past two seasons is that they can get really hot and they can rattle off strings of wins. But with this short season, your window is so much smaller. And if you fall behind, creating like gaining space becomes that much harder. If you're a Mets fan, if you are the Mets, you cannot count on the you know random hot streak of winning 8 out of 10. You can't count on it. You need to win series. The Mets won their first series just this past weekend. Ew. Yeah, technically they won a series against the Red Sox because they were technically two two-game series, but that doesn't count because they won the first two in Boston, lost the next two in City Field. So it was technically they won the first series, but that was a split, right? They won the series finally this weekend. 
maybe there's every time there's a sign of turning around for the Mets, they have a good offensive game. They put together a good pitching performance. They come right back down to earth this year. Despite a few bright spots we'll get to, the Mets have been underwhelming. Where where's the the avenue of them turning this around? Oh, I don't I don't never I never understood the optimism with the Mets. I've said it. I I know you and Andrew have talked about this. I've never been confident about them. Everything has to break their way, and nothing is breaking their way this year. Um, I mean, and now you have Marcus Stroman opting out for the season, uh, which and and Yoannis Cespedes is uh, opting out for the season, and they probably just don't want to be a part of the Mets because who would? <laughs> but I mean that th- that pitching <laughs> ro- that that rotation is. Garbage outside of uh, Degrom. I mean, to to count on Porcello and and Walk, and I know P- pretty Ricky had a had a decent start the last uh, last time he was out there. But um, but we know we know what he is. Yeah, he's gonna get shelled. He's gonna give up. Four, he's <laughs> gonna give up. He's gonna either get shelled, give up four runs, or occasionally have a really good start. Yeah, and you hope for the middle part. And and we know, and I know he just won his last start, but I, and we know Degrom's gonna lose most of his games anyway. So you you just waste. I mean, that, and I'm not like. He's two and zero, baby. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see where he is at the end of the year when he has, you know, he's like two and third, uh, two and ten, or whatever the amount of starts he has for right. the rest of it. Um, I just don't. I, I. 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 don't think that they have any level of 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 consistency to their team where you can say, oh, well, they'll pick it up. I mean, Pete Alonso and and Jeff McNeil have not looked good this year, and and you know, I said this when we were doing our preview, but to. You know, they very well could be good this year, but we're basing this off of one year, and we've seen plenty of flash in the pans. And I'm not saying Pete Alonso is going to be a a flash in the pan, but I think it's difficult to replicate what you did last season when you have all the eyes on you that you did last season, when you you won the home run derby, when you were uh, rookie of the year, and then to do it in a start and stop season for 60 games. Um, It's wonky right it's just it's not gonna work and Jeff McNeil I mean he, he's older too isn't he he's like 28 29 he was in the minors for he's a while 28. he's 28 yeah, he's, he's also batting over 300 this season by the but way but I'm just but saying he, no pop no so pop far whatsoever right? only one home run I believe yeah and, and you just no none zero home runs for McNeil so far this year and only four extra base hits and, and talk about managerial inconsistency too like you don't you never know who's gonna who's gonna be cycling through it. like they we thought that they were gonna utilize the DH appropriately and and you, you never know who's gonna be the DH that day it's just it's it's like a it's a carousel there. I mean, Dom Smith has looked pretty good in, in limited opportunities, and like you know, it's one of those look good today, let's bench him tomorrow situations. Yeah, I'm so ready for consistent Dom Smith at bats. I mean, I know he hasn't been spectacular, but he hasn't been consistent uh, getting at bats, so it's tough. Um, Pete Alonso, the the power is just not there right now. He only has a, a two home runs, I think, uh, and and that's so important to momentum for their offense. It's so important to just pure run production. And coming into the season, there's confidence in Pete Alonso that he's going to maybe not duplicate what he did last year, obviously, but the fact that he's good enough to to help carry this offense hasn't been there. And we thought he was a more complete hitter, and we thought he was going to continue the power, and he very well may. But if he doesn't turn it around, J.D. Davis being hot doesn't mean as much. If Pete Alonso doesn't turn around, Mike Conforto being hot doesn't mean as much. He is the key to this wheel of an offense that, despite being pretty productive last year as a whole, still felt underwhelming game to game. And maybe that's because of the lackluster production for for DeGrom specifically when we were actually in it, or who knows what. And another thing that's frustrating for Mets fans is we we got Stroman and we got Porcello and Waka and we kept Mats. Zach Wheeler might be the guy who you'd have the most confidence in and we let him walk. Yeah, I mean Steve Steve Matz is like uh, garbage. And and you know <laughs> you mentioned Montgomery before and there is no reason Steve Matz shouldn't have been someone similar to Jordan Montgomery. 
like talent wise and expectation wise coming into the league, Matt's probably had higher expectations than that. Probably. And he had a good couple seasons. He's he had first, some good moments. He, he He's had some good runs up. and stuff, yeah. but it's the consistency's not there. No, they, but, but along the way, when the Mets were this highly touted, you know, pitching powerhouse, they just kind of lost their way and be, tried to optimize more around offense and, and, and never really had any consistency. You know, they, they remind me a lot of the Knicks recently where they're trying <sighs> to make good. moves. They're trying, like, they, they, they're spending the money that they should be. They're, they're you know, bringing on Robinson Cano's contract to get Edwin Diaz, right, who who was coming off this monster season. It's just like, I, I don't know, organizationally, it just seems like, like there's something funky going on that is is dampening their ability. It's like very perform. idealistic moves. It's like, oh, we're going to take on Cano's contract, and he's going to be nice and solid for us, and we're going to get a stud closer. It's like, no, what actually happened is we take Robinson Cano's contract, he's going to be hurt and underwhelming, and that closer who's a stud also stinks now. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, just, it's just like they, they, they constantly take flyers on people, again, like the Knicks, yeah. uh, where you're just waiting for boomer bus players to, to decide which way they're going, and it's always bust. I mean, Look at Batances, right? Like, and obviously, there's time for all these people to to do to do well. But you know, and and like you know, moves like JD Davis, like JD Davis was someone who was not performing previously, and then he came to the Mets and he did well. And but you know, maybe maybe I don't I don't know. Maybe this is what he is. Maybe last year is what he is, and he just needed the right opportunity. It just seems like the the, the organizationally is. Wait, you say JD Davis? Yeah, he's been doing great. What? He's been doing great. Has he? Yeah. Well, that's that's messed up. He's actually been he's been probably the best hitter on the team. Okay, well I also said he this was the right scenery. I said he was a he was a he was a boomer bus guy that boomed for him. <laughs> yeah, said, yeah, okay. I said he didn't perform well previously before he was on I think he was on the A's. I don't even know where he was before I think last he year. He was dog crap and then uh uh then he He, he well. had a similar ish year to Gio offensively last year. Yeah. It was pretty similar. He was very good. Uh and he's been pretty good this year. He's been the most consistent hitter. There's games he's been top of the lineup. Uh, but to the bullpen Edwin Diaz has had an incredible closer season. Jairus Familia was an incredible closer <laughs> at points in his life. Uh, Dellen Batances was a lights-out reliever in points of his life. And Seth Lugo is the best, by far, <laughs> bullpen pitcher on the Mets. All those other guys, who you said, are flyers at this point, right? Because of the struggle for Diaz last year, though, it's one year removed from a really good season. Familia's been crap now for a couple of years. Batances injured and whatnot. Seth Lugo feels like the only guy we can rely on in the pen, and it is incredibly frustrating. Yeah, no, it's 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 super weird. It's also weird because he's a Puerto Rican guy whose uh, first name is uh, Seth. It was, that was always weirded me <laughs> out. <too. laughs> it's just uncomfortable for you. You don't like it. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> it's just it's, it's, it's odd. It, my brain doesn't work. I'm like they're like diametrically opposed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And something that comes into play with the Mets more so than the Yankees that I want to talk about here last thing before we move on. Uh, actually, I have two things before we move on, but this is the first one. The Yankees have the luxury of feeling like they have the division in their hands and they can control their destiny. I don't know. I don't know if they feel that way. Well, let's say their likelihood, their confidence, their everything to win the division is much higher than the Mets, oh, obviously, sure. <laughs> and yeah, pretty well. much every other team in the league. Even the Dodgers now, with the Rockies and Padres playing so good, are not as confident in their chances to win a division. Yankees have some more confidence uh, than the Dodgers, for example. And not then, more than like the Twins. I mean, yeah, but the Twins are in a similar spot to the Yankees. They were eight and one, and now they're they've been losing some games. So, but sure, same. But that confidence. division's also garbage. The point is, 
the Mets are in a division. No, let's focus on this. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, the point is the Yankees have a, a sense of confidence that they can control their destiny to win the division. The Mets are now reaching a point where they not only have to go on a run and play really good baseball, but there's other teams in front of them or next to them that are also good and also competing, the Braves, the Phillies, and even the freaking Marlins, who are now a couple games above 500 after their, their situation a couple weeks back. So looking at the division, there's multiple teams that scare you here. The Nationals as well, who I didn't mention. Like, I can't, as a fan, fathom them now consistently beating the Phillies, the Nationals, the Marlins, and the Braves. The Braves are a really good team, and so are some of these other teams. And it makes it really look tough to... to have any hope uh not any hope but you know I, what I, mean. I don't know I, I don't think you could feel confident in the marlins right like it's, I don't. it's it's fun to see but the mets are hard they don't, it's not easy to beat the marlins sure but but I, I i feel confident that they'll have a better record than the marlins at the end of the year that the the braves are in a real tough spot for the rest of the year they have no pitching they have zero pitching um that soroka blow is brutal yeah and you know sean newcomb and um kyle Wright, like I know because I drafted these guys in my fantasy league and they're garbage. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. these are, these Let's are, talk about your National League fantasy team, actually. Uh, my, my ERA in my National League fantasy team is six and a half. Uh, <laughs> or higher. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I don't think the, at this point in the season, I don't think the Braves are going to be where we, we thought they were going to be. And I, I, I think the Phillies are picked it up after, after um, you know, some off time, but, you know, they weren't doing so great beforehand. Um, and the Nationals don't seem that that great either as a team. I mean, I, I but just, they all seem equal to the Mets at minimum. I guess, yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's fair. They're all they're all similar teams, honestly. Right. They all have one good starter or no good starters, and the rest of their rotation kind of stinks. I mean, um, and well, we their offense at, is spotty, and and you know, and they their defenses can collapse for uh, their uh, bullpens can collapse for you pretty quickly. Well, what we looked at as a really strong division at the beginning of the season, and not we as in you and I, as people in general, looked highly at the NL East, saying there, there's going to be a tight battle, expecting multiple teams just above 500 fighting for that division crown. It looks like it could be that, except the division winner might only have 28 wins. <laughs> it might be an old NFC East trick here, oh. where they're all average and they all beat each other up, and somehow one team, you know, one game under 500 <laughs> wins the division or something like yeah. that. It's rough. But the last positive thing I want to talk about the Mets, it's just, you know, you can't not bring this guy up right now. Uh, this dude, Jimenez, has been electric for them. Uh, in a season with not many, many bright spots, he has been a fantastic fielder. He's a prospect who was looked at as defensively ready, not as much offensively ready, but he is doing so many great things. He had a big triple, even though it was their only run produced for the game, uh, and his defense has been off the charts. So to find a guy like that, uh, out of your minor leagues and bring him up after Cano gets hurt and there's uncertainty at other positions is, is a huge find for the Mets. Yeah, I mean, I have no opinion because I don't really know anything about this guy. He's only played, what, like three games? Uh, I mean, he's played in a lot of games because he's done like some pinch hits, but he only has 40 at-bats. I think he started, it doesn't say here on my screen, but he started a, a good handful at this point, but not... Not all of them. Yeah, I don't know. I only know based off of the text that you're sending me about this guy. Yeah, <laughs> so. I mean, dude, he, he's one of those players, though, that is like an old-school spark plug. He's he's almost honestly, and it's funny because the guy's on the team now, he's like a, what Billy Hamilton should or could be. This guy who's ultra-defensive, uh, ultra-defensively, and then 
offensively is a spark who's going to get on, he's going to steal bases, he's going to take an extra bag when he's on first, he's going to bunt for but a he hit. Can, he can actually get on base on like and he's, Billy Hamilton. Exactly. Yeah. He's actually getting on base. It, his OBP is just over 330 right now, but he's batting just about 300, so... Wow, bro. That's crazy. That's so love, bro. It is love. I'm hyped about it. Andres Jimenez has been fantastic to watch, so shout out to him. But, uh, yeah, I think that's all we got in the Mets. Okay, let's talk Knicks. Let's, let's, yeah, I want to talk Knicks. Yeah, you, you, didn't, you didn't bring the heat as expected on the Mets because I think it's fair to say that you're just – if they weren't the Mets and your next-door neighbor and you had so many friends who were their fans, you wouldn't think twice about them? It's tough, though. I mean, it's Baseball is always tough, and that's why nobody watches national broadcasts because th- your games are on at the same time that theirs right. are, right? Like, yeah. I, I, I want to watch the Yankees, and, and wh- what I watch is highlights on Twitter and, and, and look at box scores and what's going on, right? But – um, I'm not really going to see those up close and personal uh, uh, things, uh, those flashy plays and everything like right. that on, on, you know, that aren't big home runs or anything like that, right? But, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't really like. I don't like Met fans. I don't have no problem with the actual <laughs> Mets. Um, Why did you say that so like calmly? You're like, yeah. I mean, I just don't like because Met fans. I, I, every, I, I'm not saying that every Met fan, but every Met fan in my experience in my life has been annoying, uh, and I get it. People think that Yankee fans are like that. I'm probably like that. Ninety nine percent of fan bases are pains in the ass. Sure, but you don't. I don't have to deal with Red Sox fans every day. Like I, I have to deal with Mets fans, right? So I'd rather the Red Sox beat the Mets than the Mets beat the Red Sox. That's just always how I have I've been. So I don't really. I but I, I, I don't really care. Like the, I like. There's a lot of likable players on the Mets right now. I like Jeff McNeil. I like Pete Alonso. I love Jacob Degrom. Like you know, there's plenty of players on there. I just you know I I I. I don't really want to watch them if I can watch my team in front of Of course, of, me, of course. I mean, I, I you don't have the luxury of, you know, your team getting blown out every once in a while and you could just change the channel because you know it's over. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it's just... It, it Shout was, out to the Mets for almost losing by three touchdowns yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be nice if, if it was, you know, staggered. Dude, in also, life. what the hell? Where are the day games at with baseball? Bro, unreal. Good with I'm home all day long, and like after I, I, I so the way I work, my girlfriend is in in like the 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 she has like a little office area, and I'm on the couch all day with the TV in front of me. All I want to do is watch that, so I don't I could like do whatever after work and not have to hear about it. It's nonsense. While we're all home, just there's like no day games one, once a week. One week. That's it. Tuesday, Wednesday, I, day game. Something. So I, I thought maybe because the Met, I feel like the Mets are always playing day games. Normally, they're not playing any day games this year. I don't think the Yankees have played one day game that's not been on the weekend. I guess like you know, without the TV, I mean, without the fan money, you want to capitalize on all the TV dollars you can get, and prime time just delivers more. It, it is what it is. Other than weekends, obviously, Saturday afternoons are still a, a thing. But, but but I'm surprised they're not even doing like the six o'clock start time that they've been playing around with. I think they did it twice this year. But or? that was also for fans. That was also for commute stuff and oh, games not true. games not ending too late and all that stuff. Like, I get it. So seven o'clock is the prime time. That's where you get the most TV ratings. That's where you get the most ad money. So it makes sense. But it's it sucks. A b- basketball so far with the bubble, one forty starts, two ten starts, four o'clock starts, six o'clock starts, eight o'clock nine. Like that has been great. I mean, I feel like I'm watching basketball all day for the past two weeks, and it's been incredibly fun. And if you throw in a wager every once in a while, it's even more fun. <laughs> <laughs> can't lose parlay. <laughs> the definitely can't lose parlay always loses. No, it's definitely going to lose parlay. All oh, right, right, right. And then when it wins, you're like, yeah, I told you. <laughs> I didn't tell you, but here we are. Uh, anyways, let's talk about the Knicks. Yeah, so you don't really know what I want to talk about. I you? don't. I yeah. don't. Um, but I will say this. Uh, this is why I think it's relevant to talk about the Knicks, because this is a Subway Sports Talk podcast. And it's about New York sports. 
And even when the Knicks aren't on our mind, they're on our mind. Always. We could always talk about the Knicks. And they can get 10 minutes at the end of any episode, <laughs> any day of the week, whenever. whenever It doesn't matter. I will talk about them for two hours right now if you wanted to. It's like the it's like Saturday Night Live where like they have those weird skits at the at the one thirty time slot because nobody's listening anymore. <laughs> yeah, so I, I just want, like, I, I texted in, in the, the Subway Sports Talk group chat today. I was, you know, I'm looking at all of the personnel hires by the Knicks, and, and nobody's talking about the Knicks right now because they're one of the only teams that weren't invited to the bubble. Um, but I'm looking at all the personnel hires that uh, since Leon Rose has been hired, and I'm, like, I'm, it seems like the the worst hire that they made was Tibbs, who is still a good hire. Like he not might not be the best hire out there, uh, but they hired Kenny Payne today, uh, who is the assistant, uh, who is an assistant coach, no associate head coach at Kentucky, who. Players like Anthony Davis and Cat, like these are guys saying that this is why I am the way that I am was because of him. And it seems like you're going to get Mike Woodson and, and Mike Miller uh, as, as uh, assistant coaches too on this staff. And and everybody that they've hired in the front office has seemed like a guy that no fans are being like, oh my God, yes. But everybody in basketball is saying this is a great hire. Um, and Leon Rose seems to be doing you know, I'm going to hire people that are specialists in each area as opposed to somebody who's a generalist and is just going to end up doing a crappy job and whatever they are. And as long as all these hands are communicating with each other, it seems like we're – and again, I'm not saying that we're going to like be a playoff team next year, but it seems like this is like the most hopeful we've ever been. And you're going to have all these this new personnel with – you know, a gluttony of picks going forward and, and cap flexibility. So if everyone could be aligned, it seems like we're actually like in a spot where we're advancing, like similar to the giants are in this point. And, and, you know, if I don't care what they say to the media, like Dave Gettleman, as long as they're producing in the draft and right. picking and developing players correctly, I, I just, it's something to be excited about. And, and, you know, I guess that's all we really look for is as Knicks fans. It's <laughs> <laughs> just, a, just a glimpse of hope. It's all we need. Yeah, for, for sure. That'll keep us alive for a whole year. Yeah. You, you told me that you were keeping your mouth shut about that before. I want to hear what your thoughts are about the Knicks future uh, after all these hires. What do you mean? I was keeping my mouth shut. You said in the group chat today, you said, I, I'll keep my mouth shut on, on, on that. Oh, I said that because I knew my opinion would be thrown out by Duffy. Oh. <laughs> so I wanted to let you have that moment where he tried to just put you down. Oh. <laughs> he thinks he's some elitist basketball fan because he hops from the Celtics when they're sick <laughs> to the Sixers because he, you know, we went to school and we got Philly games and he watched them on TV for a little bit. Now he's a diehard Sixers fan. I'm going to throw shade at Duffy right now because he deserves it because he throws shade at us Knicks fans every single time he gets a chance to. Um, that's why I kept my mouth shut in the group chat is because I was more in line with what you're saying, but I knew it didn't matter because Duffy <laughs> was going to come back and say some crap anyway. But, yeah, obviously, I think with basketball GMs right now, you have guys like Daryl Morey or um, uh, Sam Presti who are elite at optimizing deals and finding talent on the cheap and taking on money when it's right to take on money and and making some really smart draft pick moves. I'm mean, Not that Morey's been a draft guy, but uh, Sam Presti's obviously been incredible in the draft. And even picking up Schroeder, picking up Chris Paul have turned out so wonderful for Presti, despite losing Westbrook, losing Paul George, losing Durant, losing Harden, and they're just continuously doing great moves. Um, Presti and Maury, as individuals, have earned that respect for me and from a lot of people, I'm sure, who are fans of the NBA. Leon Rose is not from that ilk. He's not a hardcore analytics guy that's going to figure out that P.J. Tucker 
is going to be an elite corner three-point specialist and a dog on defense is going to, you know, change the course of your team's trajectory, right? Like, that's not what Leon Rose, we're going to expect from him. But what we are now seeing with Rose is he is prioritizing finding dudes who he trusts, who he thinks are great at what they do, and let's put it together. So even some of the scouts, I forget their names. I mean, I, how I, that, sure. whoever they, I forget their names, but they, there's some scouts that were hired that as soon as they were hired, people were tweeting like, oh, wow, this guy has been doing some great stuff for a couple of years. Like, oh, this guy's really respected. This guy uh, is probably moments away from getting a GM sh- shot somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. And these are the types of guys that are coming in. And then even on the tips front, obviously they're buddies, which makes it harder for fans to swallow because it's like, oh, he hired his buddy, like, is that even a basketball move? Is that even for the best interest of the Knicks, or did he just hire his buddy? And that's a real question to ask. Sure, but when was the last time you had the Knicks front office aligned with the head coach? I mean, that's like a big deal that we haven't had. I mean, I'm not saying that they're going to make the best moves together. They may, they may not, but the, the having the same headspace and, and sharing the same mentality and, and coming to the you know the table with those things, I think, is super beneficial and something we just haven't had in 20 years. You yeah. know, even when even when we were successful with D'Antoni and uh, and Dolan, they didn't like each other. I mean, that, that they right. ran D'Antoni out of town. I mean, and and <clears throat> the GM situation was always weird there too. Yeah, was it who was uh, uh who was the I forget the GM before Phil who did some good things. Uh, I want to say Don something. I'm, I'm, it wasn't Don, Nel, not Don Nelson. No. Is that him? Nah, he's the somewhere. He's with the Mavs, maybe. I forget. I it doesn't know. matter. Well, besides the point, like they haven't had any consistency with that organization. They haven't had a culture. And even when you know the offense is good, the defense sucks. If they have some good defensive pieces, they can't score. And now what I hope and what I think could happen with Tibbs, with Mike Woodson, and with these draft picks and cap space they have, if they could at minimum create a defensive identity, and that's what Tibbs' specialty is. He didn't really get it done in Minnesota except for when they had Jimmy, but even still they were winning games where their defense was was just okay. But in Chicago he obviously did that, and we know the league is different from 2012. But he is a defensive coach. He is a madman like competitor. He is unhealthy with his competition levels. And also his lifestyle. Yeah, he's just... <laughs> Like, it looks like he is hurting because he wants to win so bad and wants to make the right moves. If that energy and Mike Woodson, which I think Knicks fans all have positive memories on for the most part, Mike Woodson and now Mike Miller, if they can lead to showing us who's the guys who are going to be here when this team turns the corner, who are the guys we can count on to play hard, like, that's not that much to ask for, but for the Knicks it is. To play hard, to play defense, and then what we can get on offense after that is, is all icing, right? But to create an identity, which I think Tibbs Woodson can do, that'll be such a huge win. And I don't know what the win level is going to be. It depends on what happens this uh, this offseason and with the drafts and stuff. But this is a step in the right direction, albeit likely small in the win column. But it can lead to things down the road that I have some some good hope with. Sure, but I think you I think you can kind of tell by some of the hires they made who they plan on relying on, right? Bringing in this defensive mindset, I think, is going to benefit Frank a lot, right? And I think that bringing in someone like Kenny Payne is going to benefit Mitch a ton and 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 Julius Randall a ton. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I don't know, it just it, it it you can kind of tell who. And obviously, RJ is not going anywhere, so you know right. he's going to be here. Just, and he has tools, and he has a willpower. Right. So. I think it, it seems like RJ Barrett has a will in him that he wants to get better, and he's not going to accept making the same 
crappy plays year over year. Yeah. And and even Kevin Knox, uh, I, I was surprised because it seems like Kenny Payne was just a big man guy. Um, but Kevin Knox was talking about him today because they, they had a really good rapport. And Kevin Knox was good for Kentucky, you know. And, and they coming in with that development, you got to think that Kevin Knox is going to finally get the burn that – uh, whether you like him or not, he deserves as a young player on the Knicks, right? And, so. and, dude, you know it from me. I have been screaming about this for two years. This team stinks. The Let team the is not good. Let's freaking play the young guys. Look at look at a guy like Kelly Oubre, and now he hasn't been a part of this Suns' incredible bubble run. He ha- he's been hurt, uh, but he had an incredible season this year, and he was working with Drew Hanlon. Drew Hanlon was on a podcast I heard, and he was like, Kelly Oubre and I, we were talking. You know, we decided together that, yo, you might average four points this year, but you better grind on defense and become that defensive, like, stopper, game changer, playmaker that you can become. The offense will get there. You know what I mean? And Kelly Ubro did just that. He became a really good wing defender. He averaged almost 18 points this year. And if you looked at him in his first year in the league as a rookie— it's like he looked like he couldn't play. He was right. getting smoked on defense. He couldn't he couldn't make a basket. And, and now he's an 18-point a guy on a team that made some really nice improvements. And Kevin Knox, there's no reason he can't do similar things. And I know he's been analytically one of the worst players in the league, straight up. He's been one of the worst players in the NBA since he entered the NBA. But it's too early for a young guy. He has too much raw talent to give up on him. And you know what? If in two years this... Uh, coaching core of Tibbs, Woodson, and Miller say, you know, we gave him the burn. He played 24, 26 minutes a game, and he just doesn't have it. He doesn't have the dog in him on defense. Then we know, four years. But in two years of him getting inconsistent minutes, 12 minutes one game, 30 the next, like, you're not going to find what you need out of these young players. And the same goes for Frank. The same goes for Mitch. Freaking start Mitch and play him till he fouls out. I don't care. I don't care. Let the dude foul out. Well, He's I, not going to learn. I got news for you with with uh, with Tibbs. I mean, Taj Gibson's getting twice as many minutes. I mean, he's <laughs> he's going to be playing 80 minutes a game. I don't but know how. T- uh, Tibbs also has a history of playing players too much as long as they play hard. And for if sure. Mitch is not dogging, He's going to play, and if he's blocking shots, Tibbs might love this dude. I, I heard someone say on a podcast, Mitch might be the most dynamic defender that Tibbs has ever coached. I mean, Noah was insane, but it was more based off of you know smarts and positioning and then his athleticism. Gibson was good. Jimmy Butler became great. But who has the ability like Mitch has that has been even in the league like in general? It's like Tyson Chandler level stuff. Yeah, I mean, and, and Mitch is also just getting better. Um, at, at a lot of his defense, he's playing. I know. I know he fouled out plenty of times, and or was in danger. Or he of wouldn't foul out because yeah. he just wouldn't play him. Right. If he doesn't learn how to play with fouls, he'll never learn how to play in this. KP league. used to be like that too. I mean, yeah. it, it, you, this is what big men do when you're when you're seven feet tall. It's hard to keep your body parts together, <laughs> especially when you're when you're on the ball. You know, when you're playing on the ball, and those blocks look real juicy. You know yeah, what I mean? I mean those big blocks that—that's that, that, how you get a shoe deal. <laughs> that Porzingis and Mitch are making. You know those those are juicy. They're getting on Instagram. They're getting all over the place. They're getting you hype up, and they get the team hyped up for sure. But you know what's more important: getting the block into the fourth row or just tipping a block that you kind of waited a second to jump because you get to your teammate and you get the rebound. Exactly. So these are the types of things that I hope Mitch does excel at. I, I don't particularly care about his crossover that much. <laughs> if, if I ever see that in game, I, I just don't even know how I would react to something like listen, that. Would I, be, would I even be excited or would I just like my job be on the Because it will get stolen immediately. But listen, <laughs> this, is what, this is what's important for Mitch. 
And I, I think it's feasible. Now tell me if this is crazy. Cause I, I've been watching these videos of Mitch and if you haven't seen them, there's plenty of videos of Mitch out there, you know, with fancy crossovers through the legs, the balls at his, at his nipples. <laughs> but he's, he's, he's playing against his high school buddies. Probably like that's what, that's what it looks like. Right. He actually invited me to be in one of those videos. <laughs> he looks like, that's what it looks like. He's playing against his high school buddies. He's dribbling these crazy dribbles. He's crossing people up and he's throwing down insane dunks and, and floaters and he's shooting the three ball. What the videos I want to see is him shooting 10 threes in a row and making seven of them, right? Even on air. It doesn't matter. I don't care. He has touch. He has form. He has the ability to grow into a guy who can be a pick-and-pop-ish guy, right? I'm not going to say he's shooting, you know, seven threes a game like Crawley Towns, but if he can shoot two a game, that really helps Keep him the, honest the spacing. The floor, yeah. And then from there, you know, pump fake, dribble, dunk on somebody's head. Sure. Let's get there first before you start going through the legs around the back, crossover, step back. But I wonder if he feels validated by what he did because now he is in the record books of having the highest uh, field goal. No, seriously. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? It's like, pretty sick what he did. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, why he he has that kind of mentality where he's, you know, he, he's a guy who makes the shots. He, when, he, when he gets it, he gets it in, you know? So, I, I wonder if he would... Uh, and and you know I don't I think that his alley oops are a pretty high percentage play too Fantastic. so I don't want to take that out great, of his game dude some of the lob finishes that he puts down catching it with his left hand uh, falling into the backboard throws it in like incredible yeah so I I mean I, but I I would like to see him take an elbow shot right like to take something that's five feet if he, if he's wide open just go for it and even if you're not wide open you're probably taller than whoever's defending you too so like you know your yeah. form's fine go and, for and it. And that's why those videos of him really leave me torn because I'm like, all right, dude, you ain't there yet. Stop with this. Even though he may not be posting them, someone else might be posting them. He's just doing it for fun, whatever. He might be practicing the stuff we want him to practice earlier, not on camera. That's all good. We like that. But let's let's do step by step here. You're a dope defender. Let's keep it there. Let's get better at it. You're a dope uh, rim runner. Let's keep it there. Let's get better at it. Now let's start start with the spot ups. Then we get the spot ups down. Then we move on to one dribble, maybe. You know what I mean? Like the passing game for him out of the post could unlock a Knicks offense. You know, I don't know. Uh, watching him, you know, he makes some nice little passes here and there, but it's not like it really jumps out to you. But if he could be a guy who you give the ball to on the elbow and he knows what to do with it, you know, with cutters and give and goes and whatnot, all these things start just unlocking. Uh, the Knicks' offense and potential. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm just thinking uh, right now that there, if you base this off of the past uh, front office, where Steve Mills was allowed, I think, 13 years within the organization, or uh, like 47. Years. Yeah, um, guy's yeah, been there forever. It feels like you know that, that it, it seems like Leon Rose will have a nice leash right to work with, and if Leon Rose has a nice leash to work with, Tibbs isn't going anywhere. So it seems like this might actually be the first time where they're not coaching for their job from day one, right? And God, that feels good. But he still is though, kinda, but not really. Is he though? I mean, not he, really. He's a name, and I think that he's carries, gonna get a minimum two year. I think. I think he gets. I think I'm not saying he gets all five years if they're crappy, but I think he gets like enough opportunity to actually see a plan through to an extent, right? Which is, I don't think we've ever been able to say that for the Knicks ever, as long as I've been watching. Who's them. the last longest tenure coach? Is it D'Antoni? Like, I'm talking, I think, I like, think it was Woodson. What, what would he have, like, two years? Yeah, something like that. Well, so if you, I'm saying, like, longer than two years. Yeah, and I think that So D'Antoni is? I, Woodson was only two seasons. 
how long was D'Antoni here with us? Probably like three or four, I think. Yeah, not that long. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that long either. Um, Fisher, year and a half. Hornacek, year and a half. Or was Hornacek two and a half? I, I don't think know. he was two and a half. And Fisdale, know. year and a half. It's just, God. Yeah, but, I, but I, I think that that's part of it, though, is like Leon Rose really trusts this guy, right? So if he's not going anywhere, because I, I think it would be really, like, as, as much as Dolan doesn't care about optics, I think it would be really bad optics to give up on your president after uh Oh, my two, God. Two they can't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess he did do that with 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 Phil Jackson, but he left a remainder. Like this is the first time they're cleaning house. You know, like there's no remnants of anything. This is a whole new uh, dynasty. The only not, thing not, left. I'm sorry, dynasty is the wrong word. The only <laughs> Let me guy take that back, but you of know any mean. public knowledge or any public whereabouts is the, is uh, Scott, Scott Perry. Perry yeah. And I don't think Nick fans hate Scott Perry. There's been a couple sound bites of him saying some questionable stuff, but in general, I think most Nick fans, or at least the ones that you know we would vibe with. Are appreciative of what Perry was trying to do. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Perry was the problem. I think it was right. Mills. But you know, I mean, obviously, I don't know what's going on behind closed doors. But all right, so you know, we don't want to go too long here. We're gonna finish I'll up. I'll talk next day. Hundred percent. So let's talk about this. Let's just say they get the draft pick they're slotted at. Let's just say let's throw the pick out. Let's just, actually let's just say we don't even know what pick they got. They're just in the the two to six range. I don't know what they're they're six. Technically, they can move up. They can move a little down. Whatever. Is there a guy? Is there a guy in the draft who you're looking at? I mean, I, I want ball, but we're not getting him at six. So. No, no, that's um, that's why I want to throw the pick out a little bit. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know that deep, and you know, I usually, I'm a casual. I mean, I'm a casual. We're, so, we're like weeks away from looking at these guys sure, closely. But I'm also, I'm also a casual. There's two things that are affecting this. I'm, I'm a casual um, college hoops fan. I pay attention during the tournament, which we didn't have this year. Yeah. And the other thing is, a lot of these players are like playing in New Zealand and Australia, and <laughs> you know, I don't have any basis of if they're good. I'm just being told that they're good. You know, uh, uh, what was the RJ? RJ Hampton. RJ Hampton, obviously yeah. Ball. Like, I have no idea if these people are good or not. I just right. you've only seen highlights of Ball on Instagram, which exactly. are usually going to make him look great. Sure, exactly. <laughs> so I, I mean, Ball is a little bit different than, than RJ Hampton because he's a Ball, right? He's and been in our eyes for four years. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just. Uh, I have, I have no idea what these people are coming in. I I have names that I hear are good, right? I ha- I hear you know Cole Anthony and uh, Anthony and Edwards, Anthony Edwards and and uh, Halliburton and everything. Obi Topin. Yeah. So I, I mean, so I don't know. what's so funny about the tournament situation is there are risers and fallers every year sure. in the tournament, right? And Obi Topin was on his path to shooting up in this uh, in this ranking for the draft class. If he had a tournament to throw some crazy fast break dunks down, to hit threes, to carry uh, Dayton. Yeah, Dayton. That's where he plays. Uh, to carry Dayton to some wins in the tournament. Obi Topin could be looking at a number one pick. You know what I'm saying? But Anthony Edwards was the number one guy for most of the year. LaMelo Ball has the hype. You know, a guy like Halliburton, who I love. I'm a big Halliburton guy. Never looked at as a top two, three guy, but looked at as that four to seven. Could be really good. Like, I look at him like I looked at Shea Gilders-Alexander. He may not be your superstar, but he's going to be a star of yours, possibly, who will, you know, crack an all-star team. Shea Gilgis is actually exceeding that, but a steadier at the point guard position that the Knicks desperately need. So I love Halliburton. I think LaMelo Ball would be a great player. Obviously, there's the off-court concerns with the family and the dramatics, but it doesn't bother talk, me. We don't even talk about that with Lonzo anymore. That, you know, Lonzo did a good job of cutting ties and, like, making it, this is me. I am I am my own person. Like, stop talking but I to think, my dad. I think it helps that, that he has a brother in the league that went through this already. Yeah, you know? 100%. So, yeah, I, w- I would love LaMelo. I would love Halliburton. I'm, I'm keeping my eye on Topin, though. I'm, I'm really keeping my eye on him. He's a big guy. He is athletic and will throw down sick dunks, has an edge that he plays the game with. And proved at Dayton this year, he can score. 
I'm telling you, if there was a tournament, this guy be talk be getting talked well, about. But as a one I, pick. I think that that's what's important is that because because we don't have that visibility into these players this year, and we have two. I think we have three picks because I think we have a second rounder this mm-hmm. year too from, and from the, Charlotte and, and the Mavericks pick. Yeah. No, we don't have the Mavericks no, this the, year. The we fir- have the Clippers this year. The first round. We have a Clippers first round this year. Oh, from. Mar- oh my Marcus gosh! Morris. From Marcus Morris, great job. Yeah, that, it, it's, <laughs> it, I, when I when the season I thought was going to end, I was like, if we got Marcus Morris, a first round pick for two weeks of Marcus Morris, I would have been the happiest person in the world. That would have been the savviest. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> though. Um, I mean, we were, I was screaming at on this podcast. I'm like, Marcus Morris has been nice. I've actually was I was pleasantly surprised rooting for him this year. I didn't think I would like watching him on my team because I didn't like his ball hogness. But I was pleasantly surprised with his effort, with his defensive intensity, his shot making was was all good. But it didn't matter because he was lifting us from 20 wins to 23 wins. Who cares? Yeah. Trade his ass. Yeah. Trade Bobby Portis. You know what I mean? Like, I, th- I think they tried. I don't think they had. The oh, I'm, I'm just yeah. I was just saying in general. But uh, um, but yeah, I mean, if you have picks now um, and, and having people that seem to be strong at scouting and, and both at, like at the AAU level, as well as like the professional level and understanding things that the, the normal people don't see. Um, it works out well when you don't have a, a huge sample size at the biggest scale against the most compi- the, the highest level of competition in college sports. So, you know, this is a time where you could really sneak something, you know, a strong, strong couple of players in a draft if you can right. hit on them, right? So. There's going to be more variants this year, and there's already a lot of variants in the NBA draft, and there could be even more this year. And the funny thing, though, with the tournament, it could hype people up wrongly and could also – Hype people up correctly, if that makes sense. So like, yeah, I know, but but I mean, there's plenty of people that have, that that shot up. I mean, look at like Trey Young. Uh, I mean, he was he, he was, was shooting up, and then he shot even more up. Yeah, then he became the number one pick. I right. mean, you know, which was a wrong pick because well, he was have, he wasn't actually number one. He was, ended up like, wasn't he one? No, it was DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley, Luka Doncic, Jaron Jackson, then Trey Young. You have a weird memory with basketball stuff. How dude. you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but still, though, he was he was uh, he, people didn't know if he was gonna, if he was ready for the league and he was going to be like a 20th pick. And then he was top five. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. And uh, I'm here for it. I'm here for it all. Always. Nick's talk anytime. And any, and if you're hitting me up on uh, sport blog. Oh, wow. Bad. Oh, edit. Little slip up there. No, no, bad. I'm not. I'm not going to edit that. I like to be natural with it. You know what I mean? If you're hitting me up on Subway Sports Talk on Instagram or Twitter, you can talk Nick's with Subway Sports Talk. Any day of the week, anytime, always. Or Alec, Alec Argento ESPN on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Instagram as well? Yeah. Oh, nice. Everything. How about that? Xbox 2. <laughs> <laughs> uh, PS4? No, uh, PS4 is not. I don't know what my thing is on uh, PS4. All right. Well, anyway, Subway Sports Talk, Pete Kennedy and Alec Argento. Hopefully you enjoyed today's episode. A Classico, Mets, Yankees, and Knicks episode. Love it. Yeah. That's it. Uh, any last words for the Subway Sports Talk podcast? Next time when we have an El Classico, we talk a little bit of the Giants. Oh, dude. Yeah. So, all right, let me let me put this out there for anyone who's listening at an hour and fourteen into the podcast. I like to I like to give some special you know thoughts to the people who, who stick it out for the whole episode. There is uh, maybe some open co-host possibilities here for football because I was thinking about this the other day. You and Andrew are my baseball guys, right? Designated hitters, Duffy, Frank, Kyle, my basketball guys, the NBA outsiders. I don't have football guys. Who's it going to be? I don't know. Applications are open. I don't know. I mean, I, 
PD uh, also accept money orders as well. <laughs> my, Ven- my Venmo's also Alec Argento ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me up I, on Cash App if you want to if you want to uh, send an application in. <laughs> yeah, and I have guys who I talk football with, right? So the Ruts fantasy football guys I talk fantasy with every year, and they're dope. But like they're doing their own pod, they're not going to become the co-host over here. I got. Um, my guy Jake Asman, who hosts a daily show on a legitimate sports radio <laughs> station in Houston, he's not going to start co-hosting on the podcast. <laughs> uh, who, who else has been? Oh, I have one guy who's actually in the running for maybe co-host spot on Do Subway Sports Talk. No, but you, I mean he he's a he's a he's a guy from our high school per se. Okay, you just wouldn't know him. He's older than us. He was a coach of mine actually. Okay, but uh. I'm open. I'm open. If you're interested, shout out Pete for playing high school football. I just saying. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I'm here. If you have to, you want to make a pitch, and you say I, I want to host this. I want a shot to to talk my stuff about the NFL and and whatnot. Hit me up at Pete Kennedy with two Y's on Twitter or at Pete Kennedy on Instagram or at Subway Sports Talk. I don't care. I'm curious. I, I would love to see because we're we're nothing special. No, we're just regular guys. Right, with regular legs. Yeah, <laughs> not we don't have baby legs. We have regular legs. <laughs> if you're out there and you have baby legs and you want to talk football, <laughs> hit me up. That's all. That's all I want to say. All right, let's end the pod. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I want to stick on this for a minute. <laughs> not kidding. All right, y'all. Uh, Subway Sports Talk. Thank you for listening as always. Apple Podcast, Spotify, wherever you do, leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, turn on the notifications, hit us on Instagram. All that stuff is so appreciated. So thank you. Have a great day. Enjoy your sports while we're there. Back. We got basketball coming up. We got football around the corners we just spoke about. But that's it for Alec Argento on Pete Kennedy. Have a good one.